Welcome, welcome, welcome. Our first episode of Much Love with Kaoki. This is the beginning of the Much Love family, an episode where you get a feel for the flow. It's about Kaoki's story, where he came from, and how he became the artist he is today. Since this is our first episode, there are definitely some growing pains and some technical difficulties. The episode starts mid-conversation, so my apologies for the mix. I hope you're still able to enjoy the episode. My name is David. Much love. Let's let's kind of take a step back and let's let's go over over you. You know what, what's your background? So I, I mean I, I kind of know the story, but let's let's put pen to paper. So tell me where you're from. Where did you grow up? Whoo, that's a um, it's a long story. I might need a yep. six pack of <laughs> six pack of Sprite or something. Something. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, wow. Um, I was, I come from a military family. Um, my uh, dad was in the army. Um, born in Hawaii, born in Hawaii, nineteen seventy nine. Uh, my dad joined the military right before that, and uh, we began to move. You know, typical military life. Um, we moved from Hawaii to Georgia. From Georgia, my dad was stationed at Fort McPherson out over here in Atlanta, and then from there we moved to Germany. Where I went to elementary school. My earlier elementary school was in Germany. From Germany, we flew and moved over to El Paso, Texas. El Paso, wow. Texas was my later elementary school. Uh, from El Paso, Texas, then we moved to Panama, uh, Fort Clayton, Panama, where I went through my uh, fourth, I say fifth, sixth, and seventh grade years. It was like okay. fourth, something like that. So, and then uh, my dad got out of the military just around 1991. And then we ended up going home to Hawaii. And then uh, Hawaii, I ended up going to Hawaii starting the middle of my seventh grade year uh, right around the beginning of my eighth grade years when i started to go to school in hawaii and it was rough um it was rough for me because i, I wasn't raised local like the quote-unquote island style um although i was hawaiian by descent uh we were raised more of the what we call in hawaii the mainland or the uh the haole we call it the haole style the uh the american way and okay. uh, so I spoke straight English. Um, you know, I had the, <laughs> so my dad was really big on grammar, done uh, on a lot of things. So we, we spoke straight English. In Hawaii, we have a type of language we have over there called pidgin. Um, uh, pidgin language, not to go on too much of a tangent, but um, pidgin. No, language. go for it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like this this whole recording to be a constant tangent. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, that's what we call. We should call it tat tangents. Or something like that. <laughs> but, um, so the pidgin language is, is, is a, a, a Creole-ish kind of language. It's a combination of many languages. It's usually about six or seven languages. Wow. Uh, a long time ago, when the uh, plantations first started, sugarcane and the uh, um, the pineapple plantations, they a lot of the immigrants started to come to Hawaii. I mean, we needed. Puerto Ricans that teach us how to uh, to farm the sugarcane, and, um, and then we also needed the Filipinos to teach us how to uh, to cultivate the pineapple. So we brought those two cultures, the Puerto Ricans, the Filipinos, then the Portuguese came along with that, as well as the Chinese, as well as the Scottish, as well as all these other people that came to Hawaii, and then um, they put them all on the same plantation and told them work together. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they didn't. They, none of them spoke each other's language. So they had to create a language, which uh, was is a very interesting language. And we can we can take a whole episode n next time to go and go deeper into all of that. But um, so I didn't speak the pigeon language. I didn't speak the what we call the brada kind cause la la. You know what I mean? And it was interesting. So um, transitioning into Hawaii was hard. I, I I had to fight my family. Like they constantly called me a foreigner. Uh, they they put me down. They said I wasn't, I wasn't like them and stuff. So it was really hard because we always felt different from the people here in the states. But when I went home, like we're not like them either. You know what I mean? Uh, that kind of you know middle ground, right? Yeah, I mean that that's hard. Not having a not feeling a sense of fitting in, especially in those years. That that's definitely rough. 
Oh yeah, and and uh, also my dad was also one of those guys who uh, he came from a very violent background, and my dad just never liked us fighting. So he always taught us to find a diplomatic way or a diplomatic solution. Mm -hmm. You know, there's always a way of of uh, solving our problems without fighting. We just have to get past our pride. But in Hawaii, it's all about knuckle up. So <laughs> yeah, so wow. I had to learn to knuckle up hard. And I had to fight uh, a lot of times, majority of the time, it was my own family that really couldn't accept us as one of theirs, you know? Really? Wh which side of the family? It was my dad's side. My Well, both sides, actually. Just we weren't really that close to my mom's side. My mom's side, they had a whole nother set of problems. And uh, my, my mom's side wouldn't accept us period regardless of anything oh. they just is something my mom had done and i said once again we can save those for other right other right right episodes. yeah but um so i ended up fighting hard to get into hawaii and then eventually became the quote-unquote local boy you know and then uh, i graduated high school in hawaii and waianae high school out in 1998 and then from there i joined the military i joined the army myself uh uh being a child a military brat and traveling the world i mean the world in culture, in itself, in its surroundings, its environment. I just wanted to, one, get out and see the world, and two, I needed to get away from home. Uh, home was just full of drugs. Uh, when my dad got home in 1991, um, my mom and dad were already active drug users from the 70s. Mm -hmm. So my parents have pretty much done everything in the book from the 1970s. You know, my dad, them weed was big, obviously, but all the other heavy stuff, my mom and dad were uh, pretty steady cocaine addicts. Um, and which, which was, which is crazy. Once again, we can leave it for another episode, but right. like, when, we, when we lived in Panama, oh my God, my dad was like selling <laughs> cocaine, like no tomorrow. It was A crazy. trafficker. Yeah, oh, big time, dude. Like I'm surprised, I, I wouldn't be surprised if my dad did know like Pablo Escobar and those guys. Oh, wow. Yeah, my dad was pretty big in that. But um, I mean, that was when we were younger. But so my parents got into crystal meth and um, we ended up homeless in Hawaii because my parents, their addiction had just plummeted us right straight into homelessness. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you bounce from family to family at first. But when you have a drug addiction, it tends to kill relationships. Yeah. Um, and so as kids, all we could do follow our parents and we just lived in the it's almost like being dragged by a boat and just living in the wake of their you know their destruction you know and um it was hard we, our family didn't know whether to you know hate us love us or whatever because of the relationships that my uh my parents had built and it was it, it was interesting so I, I needed to get off the rock uh, a lot of my cousins were also uh big drug dealers and it's common in hawaii this isn't like isolated to just my family right. thing. It, it's a big issue in hawaii and so i needed every, everyone in hawaii says they need the opportunity to get off the rock and that's what it is and so i, I had to seek my opportunities so i joined the military and i left and i was a young crazy boy who had uh you know had crazy parents whose whole high school <laughs> life was jacked up you know right so i, I joined the military and uh uh got married to my high school sweetheart um elena aquino and uh that's where we had our son my son jesse who's currently works with me in my tattoo shop uh, my son's 24 years old now it makes me feel old as yeah. oh my god <laughs> yeah but but um we ended up uh, getting married uh while i was in the military and uh lived a crazy life you know deployed went different places went to korea you know uh all over the united states and stuff like that um where i was in the military through september 11th september 11th happened oh wow yeah i was stationed at fort hood texas out at uh, um out in the uh, 4th Infantry Division out there when the day that it all happened. And, man, we could save that for an episode because that's a long story. But it's some dope stuff. Like, it was crazy to watch the world literally flip upside down, you know. Um, then from there, I joined the military. I ended up getting out of the military and uh, getting a divorce. Uh, um, made some pretty crazy decisions in my life and uh ended up coming back home to hawaii uh when i came home i ended up homeless again because uh when you're getting a divorce you can't live with your in-laws <laughs> no <laughs> i mean even when you're married you don't want to live with your in-laws <laughs> <laughs> yeah touche so uh so i ended up coming home um we got well, well we got uh, separated my my son's mother and i and then uh i lived on the beach homeless and ended up uh, moving bouncing around from family to family as i 
picked my feet up and uh, ended up getting on my own. I worked at uh, several audit jobs, security guard job, uh, um, and then I ended up an entertainer at the hotels in Waikiki. Um, my brothers and I were spinning rifles with the uh, in high school as well as into the Hawaii State Kings Guard. My my brother became a Hawaii State Kings Guard uh, member in the late nineties. And what's uh, that? Um, the Hawaii State Kings Guard is like an exhibition drill team. Okay. Where they spin uh, M1903 rifles. Uh, uh, they originally started, I want to say, back in the 1970s. They were uh, where they did exhibition. But before that, they were a part of the Royal Guard of the, the King and Queen. And so after the monarchy and everything got overthrown, everything, the Royal Guard didn't know what to do. I guess I, I heard the stories. And then they ended up an exhibition drill team. And so they changed the face of drill um the hawaii state's king's guard uh uh just brought a different style of drill to out there so for everybody who knows they they know it's it's pretty dope um, but we were a part of that so me and my brothers were also uh um doing that and because we were spinning rifles uh, our uncle ended up getting us into going to the hotels and spinning fire knife and dancing hula so oh. <laughs> yeah so we ended up working at the like the sheraton waikiki the um the um Sheraton Moana Surfrider, uh, uh, Princess Kaiolani, a lot of different hotels out in Waikiki. And we would start uh, dancing hula as well as um, uh, singing, playing music. And uh, I eventually ended up getting a job over at uh, Waimea Valley Falls Park, which is like a waterfall over on the north side of the island by Waimea. And I was the MC of a dive show that they had over there. And uh, we would have the guys uh, that would come and dive off, cliff dive off the cliffs into the into the waterfall. Um, I think it was one of the highest in the world. They jumped, uh, I think the highest one was from a 70 foot cliff. Um, where did Acapulco, you do that? I did not. They wouldn't let us <laughs> up there. <laughs> but um, I think Acapulco, the highest they go is I think 35 or 45 feet, where our guys were from 70 feet uh 365 days a year so wow. it was it was awesome pretty crazy cool I'd love to be a part of that uh then i ended up uh getting back into the military uh, uh to kind of finish out some stuff that i needed to take care of and then uh i came out and became a, a tattoo artist <laughs> ha that that so lots of ground to cover i mean jumping around you know a, a really storied past um so how how from the military and odd jobs and working in entertainment and hotels did you get into tattoos well um back in you know we're, we're the the 90s kids that you know that that uh that gen x crazy you know generation and uh in the 90s you know tattooing or worldwide was starting to have a, a resurgence tattooing culturally um the Samoans Alaiva'a and his brother I think uh um Patello I think the third I've, I I'm so jacking that up and I apologize but uh Alaiva'a uh, um, and his brother them started to go out and reteach tattooing. So tattooing was big, even in America. You know, had that the the '90s tribal. You know, everybody's doing that tribal kind of look and stuff. Right. And uh, my best friend back in high school was actually tattooing all the boys in high school. And you know, we were just a bunch of high school kids that just wanted to smoke some weed sometimes, and then maybe uh, go go to Seven Eleven and get some nachos after when you get the money. <laughs> so, yeah, obviously, our parents were like already druggies, but they're like, "Hey, I'm not going to support your habit. You got to support your own habit." So, my best friend was tattooing all the guys in school for like twenty bucks, thirty bucks, and um, his uncle went to prison and taught him how to make a prison tattoo machine. So we'd oh. make these prison tattoo machines and then he would tattoo the boys. Like we'd use guitar string as needles and stuff and uh, use some India ink that we'd go and, and, and buy at one of the art stores. And then, you know, we'd sit there and, uh, you know, tattoo out of the house. But in high That's school. That's crazy. I, yeah. No, it was, that was super nuts, dude. And then um, I've always been a good artist ever since I was growing up a young kid. I loved art. Art had always interested me. And my best friend realized that I was a good artist. And my best friend is kind of what we call like a tattooer. Uh, instead of a tattoo artist, he's kind of a tattooer that can like, uh, he can copy anything. But to okay. create thing, but to create things at that time, he really wasn't that versed with it. Like nowadays, like he's he's a beast. He can do tattoos. He can draw his own stuff on. Now it's crazy. But we we're in high school. He used to ask me like, "Hey man, could you like draw this picture up for me?" 
thing. And then I would draw it and then he would take it, stencil it, and then he would tattoo somebody with it. And then we kind of split the money. You know, he would take like, uh. you know, he'd take like 70%, give me like 30 or something <laughs> like that. And then we'd all go to 7-Eleven. So in, in Hawaii, 7-Eleven, um, the cheese and the chili was unlimited as long as you bought the nachos. So if you took the, the you open it, it's got like a little like bowl with a lid on it. So if you take it off and you fill the lid with chili, you fill the bowl with cheese, and then you just have the bag. All you do is buy an extra bag of chips, and you have unlimited chili cheese nachos kind of thing. So <laughs> find a way to make it work. Oh yeah, man. So that was it. So we just do that, you know, smoke a little bit, get high, sit down, and eat nachos for munchies, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> so we used to do that um, and stuff, and then. Um, so when I got out of the military the second time, my friend was still tattooing. He'd been tattooing. He, he obviously progressed a lot. And so when I got out of the military, I was homeless again. I didn't have uh, um, uh, any job or anything like that. And I was thinking about getting back in the military. Um, and uh, I didn't know yet. So I didn't want to get like a job job. And then I'd have to, you know, uh, you know, quit the job to go and join back in the military if I wanted to. So um, my friend was like, dude, why don't you just become a tattoo artist? And I was like, a tattoo artist? He's like, yeah, dude, you could just work at home. You can make some money and then you're all good. And I was like, I mean, mind you, at the time I was still homeless. So I was bouncing through jobs here and there, still homeless, living on the beach in Hawaii, in Miley, out in Hawaii on the west coast of Oahu. And I had a job at that time working for ACAL security. It was like a security job, and I was just one of the supervisor, field supervisors. And um, my friend talked me into it. He's like, bro, like, you know, it, it all started. Like, just we went to his house, and we used to do, I mean, man, this, it's like the timeline goes, like, there's so much stuff. Like, I could sit here for hours, but I'm trying to, like, jump to different pieces, but I need right. to get to the piece to get a thing. So we used to go to people's houses and do uh, tattoo parties. Now, a tattoo party is where we'd show up at the house at about Friday night, maybe Saturday morning at 9 o'clock in the morning, and they would line people up for the weekend. So let's say we'd say, all right, our rate is I'll tattoo you for three hours for $200. Whatever we can do in three hours, then that's it. Your time's up. Next guy. And then we just run them the whole weekend long. Just keep running. Just stack one guy after another and just keep going. You know what I mean? Just yeah. to Reset, reset, keep going, reset, keep going. And we do that Saturday, Sunday, maybe finish Monday morning. And you did a good weekend. You probably made about 2000 maybe not too yeah. bad. Some money, some good money. So we would do those tattoo parties. But what he would do, because I wasn't tattooing yet, he would have me draw the design and stencil it. And then I would put it on the person and then I would hand them to my friend. He would tattoo and then it's kind of an assembly line, right? right. I would just draw the design, draw the designs. Well, one day after we had had a long weekend at a tattoo party, we're sitting at his house, you know, stoned off our trees, just kicking back. And he's like, dude, like, bro, can you tattoo me? And I was like, tattoo you? I was like, I don't even know how to tattoo. He's like, man, I tattoo like everybody, but I got nobody to tattoo me, you know? So he's like, can you tattoo me? And I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's freaky. I used to watch him do it. It's fine. Cause he's doing it, but I, I never wanted, I, I don't know. I didn't have, didn't have an interest in actually tattooing. I love the art part of it. Right. Um, that's so, an honor though. Yeah. It was super cool. My best friend. So he set up his tattoo machine, set up everything there at his house. And then uh, I took a marker and I drew some designs on his arm. And then uh, he said, all right, this is what you do. You got the machine, you wet your rag, put it over here in this hand, you dip it in the ink and you do this. And he pretty much walked me through the whole process. And uh, my first tattoo is a half sleeve from my friend's shoulder to his elbow. The first tattoo I've ever done was a half sleeve. And, what? Uh, yeah. That's dude. nuts. Yeah, now that I think about it now, I'm a tattoo artist that's been doing this for 23 years now. Like, I look at it now, and I'm like, man, that was a massive piece for my first tattoo, you know? This, that, just, that, that must have been nerve-wracking. That was nerve-wracking, but, you know, I, I enjoyed it because it was almost like you, you know, people who cook or people who create things, when you create scenes with your hands or when you... You build it yourself. You just have a pride in it, you know? And um, me seeing this tattoo come to life on my friend's arm, I just got caught in it. I loved it. I fell in love with the process. Uh, it looks super dope on my friend. To this day, he still has that tattoo on his arm. Uh, um, I don't show anybody. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Tell you the truth. Like, I, I don't, like tattooing and stuff like that, Like for that being my first tattoo, it was not bad at all. 
I mean, I, I look at it now and I'm like, you know, it was, it was decent. I could straighten up some lines a little bit, but it really, the design concept was there. Um, the flow was was a little bit different, but I, I learned more of my flow later on as I moved on. But I didn't do half bad of a job without an, without an apprenticeship and just my friend just throwing me quote unquote under the bus. You know what I mean? It was uh, it was pretty interesting. That's that's sick. I mean, to to come right out the gate with something big like that. Yeah, and then after that, I uh, um, how did you it. come up with the design? I just drew whatever was on the top of my head. I just drew it uh, all in his arm with a with a pen with a marker. And then uh, when I when I saw what I liked, I was like, "This is it. I'm going to do this." How long did it take? Oh, I don't even remember. All, all I know is that it took forever, like <laughs> totally forever. But you know what? We sat there all freaking day, and he was my best friend from high school. Like when I got married, before I went in the military, he was my best man at my wedding. So I mean, me, we knew each other a lot. I knew his parents, knew his grandparents. Uh, he used to play music a lot. Uh, um, he was in high school playing in bars because his dad had the band, so he would play oh. in bars with his dad. Yeah, and so we'd go out watch them and stuff like that and then uh, um we'd all play music together in high school and stuff it was super cool is that when you started playing the ukulele yeah that's when i started playing the ukulele because of uh my, my good friend my, my friend carl the guy who actually his name is Carl my wilhelm and uh, he's the guy who taught me how to tattoo but also was the inspiration for me to play music myself i used to watch him a friend of ours, Samson Souza, used to hang out in high school, and they used to play uh, in uh, Wina High School out by the um, by the course room in the back by the library. There was like a little river in the back of the course room, and we'd just hang out. We were like the degenerates, you know, the, <laughs> <laughs> um, the kids who smoked weed and did all that kind of stuff. We were the, the rejects that hung out in the back of the building, right. you know. <laughs> but we used to do that, and he was actually my inspiration for playing music, and then, um, and then my inspiration to get into tattooing he's my my catalyst the guy who kind of pushed me to do that and i i found myself in tattooing and and in music and uh it's it's been a, nothing but a blessing ever since yeah it's allowed you to express yourself in in a really deep way i mean that that's it, it it's very hard for people that don't have that that way of getting things out they, it just stays bottled in so being able to express yourself and to to put it out there in, in a way that others understand. It's, it's another way of communicating. It's actually a very deep way of communicating because you, you get you get more out there. I mean that 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 that's really deep. Oh yeah, no, it definitely is. I, I, through, I guess through tattooing, I, like tattooing saved my life. I used to tell people tattooing saved my life with the the you know the constant ups and downs in life you know me going through divorce uh, changing jobs all the time losing my son and his mother in the divorce my parents being drug addicts um bouncing around the world not belonging to even your own people or other people you know it was really a hard thing to emotionally grasp my life you know what i mean and so tattooing allowed me to emotionally let out and and I, I i you have what we call in the tattoo industry a captive audience literally they're captives no right <laughs> they're so, not going anywhere yeah they're not going anywhere so i was able to talk it out a lot of my life problems and and i started to connect and it's not like i just dove out and just spoke spoke my problems you would find people with energy was there and as i'm tattooing them they're dealing with their problems and their tattoos would be kind of a representation of strength for them to go through their problems so i would have them express their problems what they're doing and then i would find an elation I would find out where i elate to that and then we would share our our um, our struggles in life and through that sharing of the struggles my struggles in life i think tattooing has allowed me to properly process and push all the things that i've been through and and turn it for a positive and understand the positive because you know that's what we try to do I, i'm trying to help people through their problems in life with dealing with pain and as we're going through so we're, we're talking about it but we help each other and so going through that i realized you know we, we can't be dwelling in that so it helped me to be, gain more of a positive perspective to life and thus has helped me to um how would you say deal with my past 
hard for a lot of people is dealing with our past. No, I mean, a- absolutely. I mean, it's something that, you know, I, I've, I've struggled with and it, it to be challenged at, at getting it out there. You know, I, for me, I, I, I do therapy. So, I mean, I, I, I talk about my problems. I've talked about my problems since I was 16. So I, I, I'm good at, at just putting it all out there and knowing that if I censor myself, the problem's not going to get fixed. So it, it's, it's really interesting to see other people how they put things out there. It doesn't have to just be in, you know, a, a, a therapy session. It could be on paper. It could be in music. Mm-hmm. It, it could be on someone else. Right. I mean, that, 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 that's really a, a special way of, of doing it. And, and I, I, I really, I'm in awe of being able to express things that way. You know, I, I, I can't draw. I, you know, futz around on, on the bass and guitar. But uh, if someone heard me play, you know, by myself, no one's going to understand what I'm doing. But I, <laughs> I, I have a feeling that, it, you know, when I listen to you or look at what you do, you can you can get that that sense of emotion. You can get that meaning behind it. You know, I, I think that that's that's special. Yes, no, the connection with people with that. I mean, it, it's it's all the symbolism behind it too. You know, it's, it's that that we we go through pains in life, and so um, it's just it's just a different type of pain. That's all it is. But I have a friend who is a, a counselor, and uh, he was telling me he says, uh, "Kyoki, the hardest thing for a counselor to do is to get to some, get somebody to open up and get to an emotional state." You know, to open up and get into that because literally the the things that change us in life are emotional. Emotional connection to anything, whether it's positive or negative, creates change. So what associates something helps us to change, right? So um, he says to help people deal with that, you have to get them to that emotional state to allow them to process out of it. You know what I mean? To get back to that feeling. So he says me putting people in pain immediately gets them into an emotional state. Oh, that's once, true. Yes. So once they're in an emotional state, when I talk to them, it hits them harder, if you know what I mean. So oh, they, absolutely. It, they absorb it different, right? Yeah, that that's that makes a lot of sense. That does. The, yeah. You're 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 open, literally. Your your skin is open. You're open to to dealing with certain things and uh, that that's why tattoos can be very emotional right 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 and it's it's the, it's the vulnerability of it right you know humans are, are you know us we're, we're all built off of emotion right we're built uh, emotions that the pains uh we we actively fight and and try to do things to avoid pain you know pain and emotions emotions are one of the biggest parts of being human you know us and that so if i can help people to understand that and go through that pain and as they're going through the pain when you coach them through the pain, you you set another presence or understanding with pain because they have a connection to pain. Pain when I paint when I get pain I react a particular way. When I get pain this happens this happens this happens. It becomes it becomes habits and then people tend to tuck in emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. But if I can get them to that pain and then coach them out of it. Then from there, they have a different way of getting out of that mental state. And then we can go this. So going through tattoos and being able to take them, maybe even if they don't consciously understand it, I put them into this state. And then from there, I help them out of that state. So I am helping their mind to be able to learn how to deal with pain, regardless of what type of pain that comes. A spiritual guide, if you will. Yeah, yeah, and it helps because we are habitual creatures, and how we deal with things is our habits. And sometimes we have a habit of every time we get into pain, we react a particular way. Some people very aggressive, some people defensive, some people they become more introverted, some people more extroverted. Everybody deals with it different. But if I can kind of help them kind of be aware of something, maybe they're having a hard time coming out of something emotionally, maybe. Uh, 
the loss of a loved one or maybe a traumatic event that's gone in their life and that's happened that I can help coach them out of the pain they're in, they can in themselves coach themselves out of the pain or the psychological connection that they have to something else and it helps them through. That's, that's deep, man. I mean, that, that's, that's awe inspiring. That, that means a lot. I know it did for me and, and I'm sure it's meant a lot for everyone that you've tattooed. I mean, it's not something to take lightly. I mean, that, that's a, a real gift to be able to do that for people. Nothing but a blessing, brother. It's, it's, it's nothing but a blessing. And I, I don't know how it's one of those, like, you know, people get that, uh, uh, kind of that imposter syndrome. I don't know how, where I'm a guy who's been through so much hell in my life and who am I to talk to anybody about anything in life other than the point that I can almost elate to every single person out there from, from the mock side. Tell a friend of mine, I've lived, uh, uh, what seemed like 10 lifetimes in but that's it that's it exactly the 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 whole reason that you're able to do this and the whole reason that it makes sense is because of the life you lived or the lives that you've lived you know the the journey that you've been through uh, helps you guide others helps you talk to people in a different way that that someone that you know just had a a, a normal straight upbringing, if you will, that they just couldn't, couldn't put out there. And, you know, maybe other people go through pain and it's bottled up and they, I mean, part, part of what makes it so special is your ability to bring it not only out of them, but out of yourself and sharing that part of you makes them more receptive, makes them more, receptive to the tattoo to the meaning behind it to 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 the world that that you're trying to connect on so i mean it, it is your past it is who you are that that allows you to to do what you do yeah and i think going through and telling my story a million times has helped me to understand my story more and what i've been through and to deal with my pains where some people will be like kyoki like you're just saying like your whole life like like your parents on drugs and also like like you just say it like it was nothing it's like no it's not nothing but it is something that has happened and there's nothing i can do today that can change that it's just nope. It's just the background. It's a story. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. It has helped make me today, but it's what I do today that makes me who I am for tomorrow, right? And yep. um, I, I love it, but it's also because I don't fear the ridicule of people who, you know, it's like, I, I don't think my life was worse than anybody else. Everybody, you know, they say pain is subjective, you know, that um, so to somebody just, you know, their mom scolding them could be like the worst thing in the world, you know, where some people, their dads or somebody beat the living hell out of them or they've been abused physically or other things. Pain comes in a million forms and, and it's just is what it is. But so to me, it's like everybody has that in their life. We, as much as we want to think that we're different, we're not. We're all humans. Everybody goes through the same things that is in life, that life is pain. It is what it is. It is it's gross. Pain is growth. You know, without resistance, we don't have growth. Resistance creates pain, like going to a gym, pushing weights. Life pushes against us like resistance that creates pain. But that pain creates growth, and I think with that, I've I've learned to talk about it so much that I I understand that it was just a thing; it just happened, and it'll probably happen a thousand times. I'll probably go through a thousand more pains in life, but now I know how to deal with that pain. No, and by being able to get your story out, you know, it, it definitely helps others. But uh, you know, there's a, a a deeper part for you that you know, sharing it is getting it out of just your head. So you're not just living in, in this, this, this play that just keeps going over and over again. You, you've broken the cycle by, by sharing it, by, by getting out it out there. It's uh, cathartic to, to, to be able to release yourself from that. And I, I, I think that the only way to do that is to be honest. Uh, for me, you know, the part of you know the the 
other podcasts that you know might might be out there eventually uh, is me telling my story. And yeah, mm-hmm. there's there's a certain amount of anonymity that you know I I I do want to 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 hold on to because you know I'm I'm I am a little scared of perceptions of others, but I, I know that on a base level, just sharing it is getting it out of my head. And mm-hmm. that's that keeping it in there is not a good place to be. So I, 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 I think that it's integral to, to what we're doing and, and to the progress that we make is by sharing our story. And it helps us and it helps others. And, and that, that's one of the goals of, of, of this whole podcast. This whole, the, one of the main reasons behind this is, is to, to share the story in the hopes that somebody will pick this up, listen to it, you know, that, that they weren't expecting to hear something that they hear. They hear inspiration. They hear something they relate to. They, they hear something that makes them laugh. They hear something that <laughs> m- makes them cry. Whatever yes. it is, the, bringing out that emotion like you were talking about, that th- making someone kind of deal with their emotions by bringing it out, I, I think that that's that's one of the healthiest ways of doing it. I mean, you can escape in, in a million different ways, drugs, rage, video games, whatever it is, you, you, you can run and hide, but only by getting it out there are you able to, to face it and, and move forward. And I, I think that I, I, my hope is that that's what this does for, for other people and the way that it, it has helped us. Yeah, and it's, it's one of those things like it's like, you know, like the bad things that have gone in our past are like dirty laundry. And you can leave that dirty laundry in a hamper and you can tuck it away in the farthest back into your closet. But eventually that smell is going to end up coming out and you're going to smell that smell of that dirty laundry or <laughs> trash. Or you got that trash bag with all that raw food that's in there. So it's like eventually it's going to be there, but we have to take trash out and we have to take the laundry out of the basket and we have to wash it to deal with it to allow it to be cleaned and just just us to bring it out once again like you're saying it has to come out it has to come out in order for us to sort it to clean it and put it back in the right way and when we clean our laundry then our house you know we, we can hide it with all the air fresheners that we want or the different things Life where people dive into uh, other vices and things that they go and try to help them fight it. But until you take that trash out, until you take out that laundry out of that closet and actually take it out and clean it or do what you need to do with it, it it's just going to sit there and keep rotting. So along your path, you, you've, you've gone through tons of ups and downs and you've gotten to a place where you've started to find yourself and you you've found a way to express yourself both through music but also through tattooing tell me about how you made that that leap into turning your your expression your art into something into a career oh man um Man, it took such a but it's like, like really like a distinct time. I'm, I'm, uh, I, would t- I would tattooed for about 10, maybe 12 years before um, I went, uh, started tattooing out in California, out in San Francisco. Um, <coughs> excuse me. And um, San Francisco was always a place that I loved. I- I'm a 49er fan and I just <laughs> love it. So San Francisco was a great thing. But I started tattooing some friends out there and uh, um there was a gentleman I, I, I met who happens to be like my brother. He's family with me now. My friend um, uh, Zeus 4-2. He's part of the 4-2 family. Big 4-2s out there. And um, uh, Zeus and his wife came to get tattooed by me. And uh, Zeus had lost his son to leukemia. Oh. And, um, so we wanted to tattoo something on him to represent his son. Um, his son had this little shark toy like the little where you where you squeeze the handle and the shark mouth goes open and closes kind mm-hmm. of like that mm-hmm. that was his son's favorite toy because they were going through everything they were going through and um 
Uh, I tattooed this tiki to represent his son and then a shark over the shoulder of the tiki and everything like that, which is super cool. And then when he went to go look at it in the mirror, um, he just broke down crying. And it just, you know, it was the impact of that tattoo on him. Like it just reminded him of his son and everything. And, and it, it was at that moment that I, I realized that it, it, this could mean it impacts at such a deeper level, you know, not to right. say that I, I thought it was a superficial thing. I just, it's just, it's tattoos. Tattoos are dope. It's what our people did. And then I found what we call the mana or the strength, the power behind it and how it can move the soul and how music and, and, and everything moves the soul. And, and so my tattooing is the same way, how it can move the soul. And then from there, I got more interested in how I could, help people and move their soul in a positive way and then i started to go deeper into what i tattoo and how i do it and how i would tell my stories and then and everything and, th and then it came down to um i went to go speak at this conference in 2018 um this uh, explore tattoo conference it's a tattoo artist conference they just go and kind of like hear a whole bunch of speakers and the speakers speak on their style of tattooing maybe their theory method and stuff like that and um i was one of the speakers in this particular um event and everybody wanted, wanted to hear about tattooing polynesian tattooing and stuff like that so um it was a really big thing for me because i'm representing all of my polynesian people as i went up and spoke in front of these people so before the event i ended up speak uh studying on polynesian tattoos a little bit more on the designs what it meant each culture and stuff and i think the first one i i i looked up was the triangle and the triangle it it, it means something different for the hawaiians the Samo, the tongans the fijians and everybody oh, really? yeah, oh, yeah they all have different symbolism and so i as i was studying that and reading up these tattoo meanings then i realized uh through my studies that there were triangles in african tattoos there were triangles in native american tattoos there were triangles in Japanese tattoos. And I was like, okay, hold on, wait, what's going on here? So I'm like, so how is this symbol or this triangle capable of transcending culture without somebody saying, you stole my triangle? Because that's a big thing nowadays. Everybody wants to claim, this is mine, this belongs to us, we did it first, we did it. Everybody wants to claim. So it's like, so how does this triangle go from culture to culture and mean something completely different but nobody's saying you stole my triangle so i started to read on it, i pondered on it pondered on it, i thought about it thought about it months and months and months and then i started to realize that it's triangle a triangle is a gift from nature uh we see a triangle in the mountain we see a triangle in a tree so shapes in the world we see circles with the sun we see shapes of waves and waves the 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 rising and and fall of the tide we see the wind as the wind blows in different direction how dirt will fly in the air mother nature gives us these natural shapes these shapes are what we used as people as ancient people to symbolize the things that we saw in life the nature it is it is literally a a tool of or something that has been passed around i i, I started to think of a triangle as like a, a triangle is like a rock a rock sits on the ground and it does nothing the rock is moved by the wind when it blows it it's moved by the water when the water moves it. The rock just sits there. But it's when we pick up the rock and we throw it at somebody, the rock becomes a weapon. When we pick up the rock and we put it into a wall, the rock becomes a foundation. So I started to think that it was the purpose and the intent by which we used that rock that gave it its strength and its power. And all around the world, you can find rocks. Rocks are a tool, a gift from mother nature. They're just there. And each one of these symbols, because in the end, it's just a triangle. It's right. just it's just a rock. It means nothing, it is a shape. But when you put purpose to something and you put intent to something, then you give it that purpose. You give it what we call mana and that strength, that power. And when you have belief in something, which comes down to religion, that's the best example of it. When you believe in something, it has power. A cross is just two pieces of wood stuck across, uh, you know, uh, to each other. Right, right, right. 
but it's just two pieces of wood until you put the belief that it is connected to your religion then that piece of wood that relic becomes a symbol of something you know what i mean yeah and, definitely and that's the power behind it so then i started to realize that and then be like oh okay so how i used my patterns was the most important way and how you put them together will also have your signature to it which then can identify you and a group of people or a particular group of people like you can look at all the people that i tattoo and there's going to be a signature to my tattoo and they can almost say like hey you're the kiyokis you know what i mean like it's, <laughs> it's that's what culture is culture is a group of people the definition of culture is the characteristic features of everyday life shared amongst a group of people in the same place in the same time so when we're all getting tattooed something similar, do something the same way, you create a culture. We all put our hat backwards and we all walk around the neighborhood with our hats on backwards. That's a culture. Culture is your environment. And so that culture, we can, we can be identified by ways that we dress, ways that we speak, ways that we move dance and the way our art is displayed all of these things can be signifiers or signal of a particular cultures and so that, that how it's it's done is it but the, the strength and the power behind it is what it came to me and so now all i do is take my culture my my ancestry my um my hawaiian side and what i what i what i see that our polynesian people did and their way of moving these patterns is familiar to me so i move my patterns in the way and the shape that i would do with my people but my meanings are for the individual and not for anybody else you know what i mean that power is in the belief that i give that person when we do that one tattoo and that's where my my tattooing just started to explode because now you have intent. When you have intent, now you have true power behind what you do, you know? What were some of the meanings of the triangles? That That's really interesting to me. Oh, that was it. I mean, it's one of those things where they say in the tattoo industry, even in the, the, the poly tattoo, you find 10 guys with a triangle and each triangle will mean something different. One guy will say his triangle represents the mountain that he came from. Somebody was born on, let's say, Mauna Kea, Mauna Loa, these big mountains, or Haleakala in Maui. This represents the mountain I'm from. Or one guy will say, you know, this triangle or the four triangles represent my four brothers you know what I mean or this triangle here represents the um the uh, the grounding of my family and stuff so it all of it represents or the trees from let's say a guy has tons of triangles around him he says this represents the tree of the forest where i was raised up in the northwest or something you know what i mean so yeah, it, yeah, again it's your belief in that triangle that gives the triangle any sort of power or any sort of uh, strength is your belief in what that triangle represents. Not the triangle itself, but what it represents. The triangle is just a symbol of that representation. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and the and I'm sure it'll come up in in later later podcasts. But so in in the program that that I, I'm in. Um, the triangle represents the broader the base, the higher the freedom. Hmm. Okay. That that that's just one of the the sayings. So the the, the triangle, a circle with a triangle in the center, is, is the the sign for the is is the symbol for the program that I'm in. You know, the twelve step program, and, and the the triangle is. The broader the base of the triangle, the taller the triangle. So the broader the base, the higher the freedom. Wow, that's super cool. I like that. I like that symbolism behind that. You know, just without foundation, without without a base, without a ground, you you, you can't build up. You know what I mean? So now I get it. That's awesome, brother. L learn something new. That, yeah. That That'll that'll be my next tattoo. <laughs> no, let's do it, dude. Let's do it. It's, it's one of those things. It's, it's that because when people have that symbolism in their life and everything, they can they can find a deeper connection to things in life, and especially in this world where um, you know there's so much separation from you know digital technology and everything we have less physical emotional connection you know there's a lot of disconnect in this world today but to have find people who can find a connection that deep to anything is really just a positive you know find that deep now that connection now what type of connection is that is it a deep negative 
connection or is it right. deep positive connection? And, and we can always take any connection and change it either way. You just got to understand how to do that and to get to that. And I think like my life's journey now is to, uh, no matter what people have gone through, is to connect that positive connection with everything. And then, you know, I tell people the tattoo is the uh, um, just the product that comes from the exchange of two energies and the product that that we build together through this energy is that tattoo and the tattoo is the permanent reminder of that moment that we've had and in, in, in growth that's dope that is yeah i have a guy who um who i tattooed a really 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 good friend of mine my friend chris tough and um you know came to me and 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 he was in a pretty pretty crazy time in life you know he was uh he was wanting to reground himself he life was getting crazy life was getting crazy and he said uh i just want three individual lines or hula hoops wrapping around my form and i wanted to represent my wife and my two daughters and he says i want this uh um on my body and but uh i was told he said he went to like a couple tattoo parlors and they're like well the guy who can draw the straightest lines like that that would be probably kyoki because he does a lot of that tribal stuff so He's like, I want these three lines. And I was like, I mean, okay, kind of boring, but okay. And um, he started to ask me about what I did and the symbolism and my tattooing. And I talked to him about my Polynesian tattooing and uh, ended up tattooing this band around his, uh, these bands, the three bands around his form that represent his wife and his two daughters. And then there's a part in it also that represents like a symmetry where he is a... Um, he has one uh, twin. Him and he has a twin brother, and his okay. wife has a his wife has a twin sister. So there are sets of twins, and um, this this was the base of his life. Then from there, he had a foundation to kind of ground himself on. Then from there, as he went through his life, um, things started to move forward. He ended up writing a book called The Millennial Whisperer, um, which went to a top seller, uh, which got him around the world talking to major companies like Nike. And, oh, and, wow. Yeah, he speaks at all these massive companies, multi-billion dollar companies, and he speaks to them about how to incorporate the millennials into the workspace and everything like that. And then from there, he came and got more tattoos. And he started moving forward and more tattoos and started moving forward and then he's like Kyoki every time my life gets hard every time things seem like I'm gonna struggle I sit down and I look at my tattoos and I remember the grounding that we had I remember the talks that we had everything that, that the motivational speaking everything that we've had together in those moments and he says that reminds me to get back up and keep going and he's this guy is like unbelievable right now i think he's he just finished writing his second book called uh, savior asks once again his name is chris tough and um i think he's working on his third book right now and just an unbelievable guy traveling the world speaking and and just sharing nothing but love he's working with this guy raymana from uh, tahiti and a lot of other guys with some great stuff and uh, um just a big impact in life and he always tells me he's like kilki every time i get up on stage in front of all these multi-million dollars companies he says i speak about you he said because you have impacted me in my life more than you think you know and he says with my tattoos it is the permanent accountability partner that we have that helps us to continue to grow and that's 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 what i do now brother that is my life is to leave these permanent accountabilities for people these these tattoos when and i always get my my talks like how me and you did just get real deep philosophy and everything right. because they're going to remember those talks every time they look at their tattoo and hopefully it'll help them fight through their problems in life that those would be great conversations to have on you know the because one of the things I, I wanted to do, one of the 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 themes that you know I kind of planned out for all of this is to have you, the person that got the tattoo, either while they're getting it or after the fact, and then just talk about the meaning behind it. Not only you know the superficial meaning, but what does it mean to you when you look back when you. Are are what wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror and you see that tattoo. What what does it elicit from you? What what does it mean to you to have that tattoo today? Which might be different than when you got the tattoo. I mean, I'm sure people that get tattoos, you know, 30, 40 years ago, the the tattoo has a different meaning today than it did back then. Um, 
and, and it, it it would be real real deep to to see that that transformation of the meaning of the tattoo but to to hear others stories of that i i think that 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 would be a real cool you know thing to 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 pursue you know as we talk about this you know in in the future i think that would be really cool yeah and i think that's one of the big things is that what a lot of people don't understand is that like when i came up here to the states from hawaii to the um what we call the mainland up here in the, in, in the continental united states it was a total different culture of tattooing where what i'm talking about of tattooing has been going on for four thousand years so the culture of tattooing has always been that america is the only place that has changed that meaning the America is the only place where that tattooing, well, other Japan too, in many ways were their, their thing, but it's because they would mark their prisoners with tattoos. So tattoos were symbolized with that, but uh, a lot of things, a lot of cultures, but for the Polynesian cultures and for the island cultures, it was a an anchor for our societies. It was an oh. anchor where um, uh, a person, when the chief in Samoa got his malufie or his tattoo that he had on his legs, the real big chief tattoo, the call it um he would also ordain other guys his other chiefs to wear these t particular tattoos and when you wore those tattoos you were considered almost like knighted by the king you were like knighted by the queen of england you know oh um, cool yeah and so the people who wore these tattoos were considered what they call a sungaimiti a sungaimiti is a person of honor a, a, an honorable citizen and so when people saw these tattoos in polynesia they knew one you were respected by the king two that you were a good person i can ask you for help or i can come to you you are somebody in a leadership position so it's like almost like wearing a police uniform or military uniform the respect of it was high so the polynesians in our tattoos we have always had high regard and whenever you wore those tattoos you were bound to live a life of integrity uh we we were bound by that that tattoo represented that and i tried to teach that more even with my tattoos and people like if you're going to wear these tattoos understand that the people who wore these thousands of years ago wore them for integrity these tattoos anchored societies where nowadays it is a, a an oppression to society it's people who is like oh it's a alternate life where we're you know we're, we're rebels to society but when we were growing up well not us growing up but thousands of years ago in polynesia the tattoos were the anchor to that society they were the permanent accountability morals and values and we can go into another episode later where i'll actually right. describe a lot of the tattoos and yeah definitely yeah, and how like the Samoans, they would look at their tattoo and each line in the tattoo, there would be certain parts that they would look at that reminded them of the land that they were responsible for. It reminded them of oh. the people that they must feed, the people they must protect. It reminded them of their place in society saying, I am here, but I am also, regardless of how high I am in life, I am still meant to serve. And I will always be at the bottom, although people look at me at the top. You, It's learning how to serve. So it teaches morals and values and our, our, our virtues in life that we pass on went on with these, with our tattoos. And so America or these, you know, America, we're the youngest culture out there. We're the youngest, you know, kind of thing. And it's one of those, like, we're, we're just catching up to the rest of the world. You know what I mean? In what the power of true culture is america has never i don't think america has really solidified and anchored what she could call her culture what is american no. culture no no we've been just flooded by many different cultures but we exactly right but we haven't learned how to get along yet we haven't learned how to connect that culture that's so people say american culture a lot of it their tattooing is about rebels and this and this because you know we we're built off of being rebels we broke away from england you know we came over to america we killed all the native americans like it was all about being rebels to everything that 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 it was but it was the death it was the growth of everything and things are moving on but now it's time and america is getting to a point where we've been america long enough to where emotionally as a country we could start to settle ourselves and mature into an actual mature culture where pretty soon our tattooing is going to have a significance of its own and it will have that that is deep as deep as the polynesians we just haven't grown up yet 
Wow. Wow. That's, uh, that's deep. I mean, I know, I know, I know I've, I've, I've said, said that phrase quite often and, and to be honest, I'm probably going to say it quite more, you know, I'm, I'm sure that's, that's going <laughs> to, that'll be one of the catchphrases. That's deep because <laughs> that, that's, that's deep. That, that's all I can say. I mean, that, that's, it's a, a lot to take in. And I mean, you take it in, not just in your head, but in your heart. Right. And you're, you're, what you're saying is, is spot on. And I, I definitely, I'm excited, excited to learn about all the different types of Polynesian tattoos and, and the history behind it. And I, I can't wait for, for those episodes. I think that'll be, that'll be really cool as well. Yeah, everybody needs to go and stick around to go and, uh, um, you know, uh, hang out and listen to all these podcasts because this will be some great information, good stuff, and um, just the understanding behind things. To me, it's that. It's, if we can understand why things were, how things were, and, and what's changed and how it's moved, then we can, in itself, change how it's it's moving forward, you know what I mean, and how we, yeah. can, we can grow, you know, and I think that's just going to be freaking phenomenal brother it's going to be awesome all right man i i enjoyed our conversation as always and uh, you know I, I i can't wait to to keep this going um you know i i i'm so appreciative that you've you know agreed to do this with me and you know as as we're gonna say you know much love man much love much love, brother. Much love. Thank you for the opportunity, brother. Thank you for your energy. Thank you for everything, brother. And and yeah, I'm super excited to move forward, you know, because this is the knowledge that we grow and learn in life. But like my grandmother says, um, he who has knowledge has the responsibility to pass it. And it's time to pass it.